Welcome to The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell alongside the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. We're pleased to be joined by a special guest this week, State Senator Dale Coinga, to help us talk about the intersection of money and politics, specifically how political decisions at the local, state, and national level impact your investments, impact your bottom line, impact pretty much everything. Gentlemen, it's great to be talking with you. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And of course, that's exactly what this podcast is all about, is the intersection of politics and economics. And uh, my buddy Dale stopped into the studio today. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, so you know, this podcast is, you know, heard worldwide, my friend. So not everybody knows who you are. So uh, Wisconsin State Senator, but a uh, little bit of background I think would be helpful, especially your military and political background. Yeah, uh, it's I, you know, people think of me on the Dan O'Donnell show as like the state senator, but that's been a, a part of my life. Uh, the other parts of my life is I've been in the U.S. military uh, for 17 years now, yep. and I will stay till they kick me Thank out. You. At 43, I got some runway there. Uh, that's a whole other podcast as far as what we're doing, how we're doing it. Um, really exciting stuff. And then also in the business world. So I uh, do CFO work. I'm a CPA. So I, and actually, that's that's part of the reason I do. I'm at the last level of public office where you're not full time. Right. Um, anything above a state senator is full time. And I, I don't want to let go of the rest of the military yeah. or my business world. I love it too much. And, and of course, my family and there my four kids as well. So, yeah, I think it, and I think it gives me a different perspective on stuff like this too, where you see firsthand the impact of good or bad policy. Yeah. So you know you have. An undergrad from Lakeland and uh, an imposing six foot seven, played a little bit of basketball there. Played, played some ball. And uh, MBA from Marquette, a CPA. So you've got the educational background, but you also spent some time uh, again in the military, and and part of that was intelligence and, and the combination of those two give a nice background. And and DoD, you know, you put all of that uh, behind us and looking forward, there is no question that this is where the intersection happens of economics and politics. And yeah, Dale, with your background, you sort of see that at a, a real acute level that it's almost as though a lot of the people in charge of where our money gets spent, how our money gets spent, have no idea about basic financial principles. Do no, they? It, there's a there's a complete divorce there. And, and I see it especially right now in, in Washington, D.C. I mean, what what do Pelosi and Biden and Schumer all have in common. I think Dan, I think we're the same age, Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are the are same we? age. Those, those three, those three are not. All three of those. <laughs> right, well, if you're younger, this is safe. This is safe. But all three of them have been in office be- or involved in politics since before I was born. And I'm forty. I'm forty three oh, yeah. years old. Yeah. And let me ask you: Is that working for us? Is it working for us to have the Senate chamber, the House chamber, and the White House controlled? by individuals who have no idea how markets work, how have no idea how private sector works. And the answer is no, it does not. So that that's what I, I think we need more of, is we need more people that have those experiences in other realms and bring that to office. And the source of our pain right now is, is not a cyclical economic uh, issue, which is typically what we have when we have downturns. This is purely... This is it's not a market failure. This is purely a monetary policy failure, a policy failure in Washington, and, and people are hurting because of it. So I, I guess at a state level where where you're, you know, 
most focused, where you have been focused. How do we, because obviously, you know, you don't, or the state Senate, the state legislature, the governor has no control over the national debt or the Fed just sort of printing money, uh, leading to the sort of inflation that we had. How do you take the reins and restore fiscal sanity? Because Wisconsin has actually uh, been running at a budget surplus, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, a huge budget surplus. Um, well, first of all, let me quote one, uh, the you know, meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless, so chasing after the wind. Uh, I kind of had that thought in my head the last couple of months here. Uh, that's Ecclesiastes, by the way, for you that didn't recognize it. <laughs> Is because, uh, you know, for 12 years, that's how long I've been in office, for 12 years, you guys know, like, what is Dale Coyne going to fight for when it's budget time? And everyone knows it's income tax cuts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every single time I've delivered. And what's super depressing is every single dollar, and this has been billions, but every single dollar that we got you in income tax cuts, guess what? Got spent. It's all gone. It's all yeah. gone. You're, you're spending all that money right now on higher grocery grocery bills, uh, higher gas bills, higher energy bills, higher beer prices. I know you pointed out the other day, Dan. Thanks for pointing out that. That was that was great. 13% higher. But the point is, is that, and it's not for nothing. I shouldn't say it's not for nothing because you're in better shape than you would if we didn't do those income tax cuts. But when I'm motivated that I could put more money in the O'Donnell House and the Coinga House and the Smith House because I know that you'll use that money in a, in a more wise fashion than the state will. You, that money's no longer your disposable income because your locally elected ele- officials, the people that you have elected, delivered on what you wanted, and that was lower taxes, right? But the people that you did not elect in D.C., the people that are the the other part of that government, the Federal Reserve, the elites that don't drive around in cars and are not raising children and carting around Wisconsin, those people made decisions that completely absorbed the tax cuts we gave you and more. And that's hurting families. People are going to feel, I always say like right now with 8% inflation or whatever the number is, it's definitely up there. Is it's that still yep. if you're a single guy, if you're my neighbor who's you know a single guy, like he, you know, he's feeling inflation. But I'll tell you who's really feeling it is I got a family, I got four kids, like a family of six. You know, you take six people times eight percent inflation, you go to Culver's, and uh, that's a different story. And people but, are feeling that. But Dale, everyone feels it. I get you know we have clients that have high net worth individuals who constantly take pictures of their of the gas pump and send it to me. I mean. Did the extra twenty dollars hurt them? No, but they're offended by it, and they're affected by it. And 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 Dan, you know, when we talk about inflation, it is a tax. So even though you you've got an income tax cut, inflation is a tax. Yeah, and it's a big one. It, it, it I mean, imagine taxes going up by eight percent in the span of thirteen, fourteen months. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah, and for people on the ground. It's not, I mean, the eight and a half percent number is, you know, the, the sort of average number. Depending on what business you're in, depending on what basic expenses you have, you're paying a lot more than that. Housing costs are up. The cost of heating your home is up. Gas prices are, of course, through the We keep setting record after record after record. Uh, I actually heard, if you can believe this, they're resetting gas pumps in some parts of the country to be able to go all the way up to $10 per gallon, right? They, they actually have to add a place for another digit 
in order to get to what might actually happen in some parts of California by the middle of this summer's driving yeah, that'd, season. That'd be awful. And you've got to imagine that this this is dramatically impacting people. Even people who have the money to to absorb this sort of cost, it's impacting behavior. I mean, there's no way it can't. And here's be. here's what's so sad about the situation too. And Dave just pointed out is that inflation is a tax. And what's so dishonest about that tax is that nobody in Congress took a vote to raise your, they they talked about raising your taxes, right? That's on the table, but no one took a vote to raise the tax. The inflation tax, the only place that works out for it, it works out for the federal government that has tons of debt that doesn't inflate, right? And so the revenues at the state level right now and the Fed are through the roof. Why? Well, because they're still taxing goods and services and income at the same rate. Um, and that rate's now higher because inflation makes those things more expensive. So it's just the, the pinnacle of dishonesty. You know, one thing I want to point out as well is, you know, there was a motivation from the federal government to keep interest rates low. And that is because of the national debt. And so when the national debt gets to this absurd number that we're at, and now you have to service that debt in the form of government bonds. If you take a long-term average of 5% on $30 trillion, we're doing live math here, you were talking about $1.5 trillion in interest payments alone. That is, that is, gonna, that is certainly going to squeeze out so many parts of the discretionary budget. Well, I don't mean it. Yeah, it's it's concerning because where does it come from? I mean, defense spending will reduce um, other priorities in our nation. I mean, what what gives? Right. I mean, and, and there's nothing to show for interest payments. So it's it's a uh, it's a place we've never been before, and it's a place we've never been before because for the last ten years we've heard from the smart people in the room that did not go to community college like your state senator here, but went to the the schools that said don't even apply to me. And they came up with like, well, it doesn't matter uh, how much money you print. You you could print and print and print and print. And anybody with uh, a basic level of education knows history knows that was that is not the case. That is not the case. And now we're paying for that basic economic lesson 101 that when you print money, it causes inflation. And it's not stopping. It's not stopping. I'll tell you why it's not stopping. Because the Democrats right now, and Biden's a little bit shy about this, but I think he's going to do something on this, talking about canceling student debt. And canceling student debt is no different than printing money. It, it's the same consequence yeah. if you're going to cancel student And by the way, and we, there's been great articles on this, and Dan, you've covered it, is who does it help the most? It's going to help the affluent who have college degrees, the third of Americans, right? And once again, it's going to hurt the other Americans that are working their tail off in order to stay ahead. And so they're not learning their lessons because the talk about canceling student debt is the equivalent of printing more money. And what what if you're the person who didn't go to college and have worked hard your entire life and now you have to shoulder the burden of some blue blue blooder who is now going to get a break? I mean, that's just fundamentally uh, dishonest in my opinion. But, you know, Dan, there's there's so much to talk about uh, with Dale here. And I think locally uh, the, the fiscal budget is, is part of the conversation. It's got to be, Dale. Well, right? yeah, it has to be. And I think that the Republicans need to go in. As you may or may not know, I'm not running for re-election. I'm going to do more private sector stuff in my life. But uh, I, I think this group of Republicans coming in next session and hopefully a Republican governor come in with just tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. They need to provide relief to Wisconsin, to Wisconsin families. So Wisconsin's income taxes are still too high. 
Um, and so they need to, you know, we should be more aggressive on that. And hopefully that's the relief that they could provide from families. You know, the bad news is I don't think it's going to provide net net relief. That's going to take the pressure off the federal federal disaster that's been created here. But every single penny helps and the money's there and it's time to do be more aggressive with tax cuts. Yeah, you know, th this is going to be an interesting midterm election because it's going to be the first, really, since 1982 when we're dealing with such massive inflation. Now, typically, the party in power uh, takes a big loss in a president's first midterm. This might truly be historic. Every poll is showing that Democrats are going to just absolutely get shellacked. Wisconsin is a quintessential swing state. Uh, big Democrat years, we tend to vote for Democrats in statewide races. Big Republican years, we tend to vote for Republicans. It's entirely likely, Dale, that we see gains in the state legislature, that there is a, a pickup of at least one congressional seat, Derek Van Orden, running in the third congressional district in Western Wisconsin. Yeah, he's he's uh, absolutely fantastic. In fact, on the day we recorded this podcast, he was on my radio show live in studio. He's a wonderful dude. Uh, I encourage you to to learn more about him and his story. So, Navy SEAL, just a, an incredible, credible guy. Um, we're also likely, and I don't want to count any chickens before they hatch in November, but we are likely Republicans do very well and. I would say it's it's probably more likely than not that they pick up the governorship, they pick up the attorney general's race, that Ron Johnson is reelected, that Republicans have governing majorities in the House of Representatives and the Senate. Of course, President Biden, a Democrat, will still be in office until he stands for reelection in 2024. But how do both of you guys see what is likely to be divided government at the federal level and Republican government? At the state level, how do you see that impacting people's bottom lines? Well, I mean, at the state level, I, I think a solid Republican governor, uh, a Republican governor, and Republican legislature will provide some relief in the form of of tax relief, which is good. Unfortunately, so much of your financial burden now is at the federal level, and I think a stalemate in the federal level is good. At least it provides some certainty that nothing will happen. I used to have more comfort in that fact when there nothing would happen because. What I've seen now is executive orders. Is executive orders and also this part of government that is not accountable to anybody. We just talked about inflation and the Federal Reserve that they're doing their own thing and all these different agencies that do their thing. So, you know, it used to be, I think, you know, decades ago, it was like, okay, divided government, there's a timeout, you hit the pause button. But now with overly aggressive executive orders and administrative states that go and do their own thing, uh, I'm skeptical. And that's why I think what you know, you talk about the next election, Dan, what I really encourage people to do is we have a generation of people that have the last couple of elections more likely voted on the left side uh, than the right side. And this has to be bigger than the election. We need to take this moment, not for the good of the Republican Party or conservative movement, but for the good of the country and Western civilization itself to talk about free markets and fiscal responsibility and what built this greatness was the principles of having a republic system based in free market and and educate the next generation as far as how economies work and point out what they're feeling is the result of socialism and policies that support big government not their individual freedom and liberty. Yeah, and that's that's what the the 
delineation really is. But in terms of like the impact on investors, Dave, how do you see this sort of playing out? I mean, we're going to have a lot of uncertainty and, and you know, we can't possibly predict events that might happen and might shape the way the electorate is feeling from now until November. But how do, do events on, on the ground politically sort of weigh on investors' minds, and, and how do we sort of account for that sort of volatility in the political world, specifically how much we're paying in taxes, you know, estate planning, that sort of thing? So you think about uh, who is in charge and in what part of government. And we have a matrix that we've put together that goes back, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 years. And it's if there's a Republican president or a Democratic president, how does the House fill out? How does the Senate fill out? And then what markets do best in those environments? And the markets, in general, air quotes, do better in a divided government than they do if it's all R's on one side or all D's on the other side. So if there is divided government, the markets generally do better. The question is, of course, is really what Dale was talking about, is the fact that you have unelected folks making decisions. And the biggest one right now is the Federal Reserve. When they pump money in, in modern monetary theory, putting all of this money to work and printing money floats all of the boats, even maybe the ones that might have a hole in them. But right now, and we're going to hear today is a Wednesday, we're recording this, we're going to hear in just a couple of hours that the Federal Reserve may start to what's called quantitative tighten. We saw quantitative easing before, now we're going to see quantitative tightening. That means taking money out of the system to the tune of trillions of dollars. And when that happens, Dan, then you're going to have to start to, to make adjustments. And if that happens, the odds of a recession go up. And most analysts are putting it somewhere between a third and 50% chance that we're going to see a recession, maybe not in 2022, but perhaps in 2023. And that is the outcome. And then why is that so important is because they could go on for 18 months and it, the markets could react to that. And we've seen uh, in bear markets, long, deep bear markets. Do we think that's going to happen? There is a lot of evidence right now that with unemployment as strong as it is, and we can't fill it, that even if it's a recession, it might be mild. And we're starting to see high yield spreads not go crazy. So we're starting to see economic evidence in the bond market, for example, in the unemployment market, not buy into this. So this all goes, it's a very complicated world. There's no doubt about it. And there's things that you can do in your portfolio to mitigate the risk and to be positioned for a year, two years, three years down the road. And so I look over across the mic and uh, I thank, uh, thank you, Senator, for stopping in today oh, thanks, and having Dave. this conversation. No, I appreciate the value you guys always add on this front. Yeah, and, if, and obviously to have uh, extraordinaire Dan O'Donnell on the, on the other amazing. end of the microphone. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dan, for participating today. Now, the pleasure is all mine, guys. Seriously, it's it's always fun doing these podcasts. Dale, yeah, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for sharing your insight. And, uh, you know, best of luck. I, I do want to give a plug before we close up shop for one of the projects that Dale's working on right now, Hero Cards. And, Dale, why don't you explain what these are? Yeah, so Hero Cards is I, I see way too many people uh, – not celebrating the beauty of America. And if you want to look at the beauty of America, the beauty of America can be captured in the thousands of service members that have died for our country. So as we go into Memorial Day, uh, this was the genesis of the idea that I had several years ago, and that is to create 
cards, uh, similar to baseball cards, uh, collector cards that highlight the service of individuals that died for our country from the Revolutionary War till today. So I'll be in the Umgro Parade on Monday. We're going to hand out some of those cards to folks. They could see them. Throw me one at O'Donoghue's pub. I'll be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go to herocards.us, check herocards.us, not .china, not .russia, herocards.us, and you can see what we're doing, the project there. But uh, please sign up. And this is a way to – I mean, your, your kids in many different settings are not getting the American story uh, get them for your kids. If you're a, a war buff, a history buff like myself, I uh, enjoy them right next to my books and learn more about these great Americans. So herocards.us, check us out. Yeah, it is a really, really cool project that you're involved in. Dale, again, thank you for State Senator Dale Coenga and the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano, I'm Dan O'Donnell. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.